Welcome to the Retail Therapy Sessions. This is the second therapy session. First one was pretty fun. We have Irish with us. We have Proto Rage, Retail Explorer, Lady Toaster, Chad Dickens. So welcome everyone. So I figured this would be a good one to talk about our favorite or worst customer interactions. This really isn't about me. This is about you guys. So what I'm going to do is uh, I guess I'll just start at the left side of my screen and we will go with Lady Toaster first. Give us some examples. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start in ag, grocery, video game, or furniture rental? Because there's, you, I've been everywhere. You, it doesn't matter. You pick one. Oh, just, just do it. let it run. I'll, I'll have to do the customer service side of thing. And so many moons ago, I was a customer service rep for Tractor Supply, and I'll just say it anyway because I'm so far removed, I don't even care anymore. You take about eighty to hundred phone calls a day, and they can be anywhere from just complaints to compliments, which is rare, but they happen, questions, directions, and then just order taking. I probably took more orders over the phone for people who don't understand the website more than anything. But the one story that stands out to me from those 80 to 100 calls a day was this one guy, and it gets really creepy. He was on my phone for 40 minutes, and they do time you to make sure that you're not just lollygagging and chatting it up on the phone. This guy did not stop, and it was about a complaint about a store that was mostly female associates, because sometimes that just happens, and that's the way the world rolls. It went on and on and on and on, and then after about 30 minutes, he mentioned that the store called the cops on him, so he had to, like, duck and run out of the parking lot. I call the store for stuff stuff like that to just get more clarification, especially if it's a really long phone call like that, and this store manager, she's like, he's been a problem for the last year. He took pictures of the associates when they're turned around and not looking, and it got to the point where they had to call the cops on him to make sure he never got back in that store. Boy. So, and... Wow. He Taking pictures, saying it's all the store's fault, it's all the store's fault, that they don't want to help him. It's like, I wouldn't want to help him either if you're taking pictures of me. The more it went on, he was degrading all the store, the store manager, assistant manager, receiving manager, cashiers. I don't want that. No. So that eventually had to get handed up to higher corporate ladders because if you have to involve legal departments and police officers, there's a process for that. That was a very uncomfortable hour of my life to have to talk to him for 40 minutes, talk to the store manager and the associates for 10, get everything lined up and where it was supposed to be on the call log software. If you ever used heat, I'm so sorry. It's terrible. And then hand it up to legal and explain to legal. This is what happened. We need to get this guy to never come near the store or ever come to any store ever. So I had a lot of creeps for 40 minutes. Did they ban him? Oh, they absolutely banned him. They banned him from the whole company. The only way they would accept his money is if he ordered something online. And if he were to call us, we already have his phone number in the system. It's like, okay, get him off the phone quick if he has any issues with ordering. Because... He was, A, wasting our time, just going on and on and on for 40 minutes, but we can't trust him. Wow. It's gross. Very gross. All right, so we'll move on to Retail Explorer. Give us something. Oh, God. (laughs) 
Mo most of what I've ever experienced with customers, I, br I really haven't, I've had a lot of good luck with not having bad customers, just dumb ones, just really remarkably stupid people. I, and I don't understand how they can walk in a straight line, but um, let alone fly an airplane. Uh, what I did for about five years of my life was I ran uh, a couple of retail aviation supply stores and we were we were a primary supplier for one of the one of the flight schools it was literally right across the parking lot from us and they dealt mostly in foreign flight students so chinese um there were a lot of uh, middle eastern pilots they'd send their kids there to learn and then they'd be shipped back home so they could fly for the airlines there which when you think about it now looking back and how dumb some of them are it's really remarkable that they're flying airplanes and it's terrifying um that is scary as hell god it was it was bad like they'd come in looking for just the basic supplies that were required to become a to learn how to navigate an airplane and just would not know what those tools are for one thing or they wouldn't know where they were like we had, like you'd sell sectional charts, which, you know, you take the United States and you divide it up into different, you know, rectangular regions. Uh, and those are called sectionals. And so all the major cities, you know, there's Dallas, Fort Worth, there's a San Antonio, Houston, you know, they all have their own big sectionals and it covers the entirety of the United States once you get them all together. But they wouldn't know even where they were flying to or from on a given day. Like you're you're studying here in 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 Dallas and you don't realize that you're in Dallas is amazing to me. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty sad. But I'll, I'll tell you, my worst one that I ever had was like I, I nicknamed him Minivan Moron because he'd always come in and be an idiot and he'd pull up in a minivan. Uh, it's just I think he was I think he was from Africa. I don't remember what part though and. He came in one day. This was and this this was across three days that this whole thing happened. Came in the first day and he bought this. It's this little laminated checklist for they, they make them aircraft specific, and you just go down the checklist when you do your pre-flight checks to make sure the aircraft is good to go and everything. And then you know you get all the greens on that and you go. So you just follow that checklist and you're good for the given aircraft. And he needed one. That we actually did have on hand, so we didn't have to order it. But like, it was too big, just barely for whatever little binder he was using to organize his stuff. And he was asking me, he was like, "Can you cut this down for me?" And I said, "No, I'm I'm sorry, I'm not going to modify merchandise for you. You want to go take it home and do it yourself, cut it down. That's fine. I'm not going to do it because that can that can come back and bite you in the ass pretty easily. Liabilities." Mm -hmm. So he was like, oh, uh, okay, and just left. He bought it and left. Came back the next day and asked me to do it again. Asked me to, with, came, brought the checklist in and asked me to cut it down for him. I said, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that. So and I have a quick question. I have yeah, like a weird question. You said, you mentioned DFW in San Antonio. Are the kids that you have mentioned that are like 
We can't believe they don't know their Dallas. Are they taking classes through the DFW airport? Because then I need to start changing some plane tickets and not fly out of there ever. <laughs> no. Oh, that's terrifying. No, no these were, uh, they were flying out of Meacham Airport in Fort Worth. I don't know if you know the area very well, but it's a technically an international airport because they have like one flight that goes to, or somebody flies down to Mexico once a week or something like that. I don't know, but somehow it's international airport, but it's a, it's a big municipal airport basically. So, but th just this one school, they were the only ones that trained any foreign kids really. And they were notorious for just bringing, busting them in basically. They wouldn't know a whole lot of English and they just struggle the whole way through the whole thing. So you'd have the tower just absolutely hated dealing with this school because they just, they don't teach them how to communicate really very well because they don't know English very well. Well, the fact so that just, you mentioned this and with it being next to DFW airport, a big ass airport, that uh -huh. still terrifies me that they could all share the same airspace. That's oh. scary. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh I mean, this is, you know, you, when you think of like, it scares me, but I know the kinds of, I know the people that train them and they are top notch. So that much of it still kept me at ease because I knew that if anything went wrong, if they went to the wrong airspace, their, their trainer would correct it really easily. So you're talking about like to become a, a flight instructor, you have to have, I think, I can't remember how many, but it's over 300 hours in the air. So actually flying an airplane. Like, and you, you think about anyone flying a regional jet for a major airline or anything like that, they're, they don't, the airlines won't even talk to you until you have 1500 hours of time in the aircraft and so, that's that's solo right that's not like the, your training and stuff doesn't count both actually both do oh really so, yeah so left and right seat left seat is the pilot and right seat would be the the, the co-pilot so but all of it counts they don't care about you you just have that experience in the cockpit but you need yeah you do need a cert i think it, but i think it's like 300 solo hours is what you needed to end up being a, a flight it's been a while my numbers are fuzzy so don't fully quote me on that but i know 1500 hours is the mark that you have to get to to be an airline pilot and so that's why most flight students if they want to go to the airplanes they end up being flight instructors so the ones that we graduated when i worked at flight school were all really good they're really solid once you get to that level if you can get to that level, because you see kids flame out all the time. They don't know. They don't have the drive. They don't have the, the know-how. They don't, it's, it's a whole combination of things that they just did not do along the way. But so do you um, fly too? I don't, I don't thought about it, but I was just like, eh, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I, That's awful. I, like, That's just, awful, awfully high up. When shit goes wrong. <laughs> Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> when I flew back this week, we encountered some turbulence, and it just threw my stomach for a loop. I was like, "Nah, I probably can't do this. <laughs> I don't right. know if I can do this as a job, guys." <laughs> nice horror author. Did you join us? Yes. Hey. Uh, as you hear, we we talk in customer stories. So, mm -hmm. uh, if I'm not mistaken, you do some call center work. Is that correct? 
I do. Uh, I do call center work now. Before I did call center, I was in retail in various different functions and a splash of food service. Uh, so pretty much my entire adult life has been in what I call customer servitude. So, oh, excellent. <laughs> yeah, I, I have plenty of plenty of uh, horror stories from all different angles. And 10 of those years were at a liquor store where if you want to beat the craziness of customers by very much uh, after liquor store, you either need to go like porn store or um, crack den, I think. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I'm, I'm happy to relay some of my uh, juicier juicier horror stories over the years with some very particular customers that we refer to only by synonym um or i forget what the precise word is but uh we had um we had smells like death guy um <laughs> we had um our pop-off enthusiasts um we had um a uh, big fat mike who was just such a treasure of a human being uh, that he would harass us endlessly if we were out of his Diet Coke because then he couldn't sit in the parking lot and mix the rum into his Diet Coke in his car. Wow. With, <laughs> not done. We got a with few of those. His teenage daughters sitting in the back seat waiting for him to drive them somewhere. So, real, real winners. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Ah. That, yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh, um. I, I eventually threw him out of the store um, because he was he was pitching a fit and, and starting to have a big, angry white guy tantrum. And we had just started somebody new. This this kid, very, very nice kid, um, young, uh, a little on the naive side and definitely seemed to be like a little bit nervous about working there. And I just imagined him going off on this poor kid who had no idea what he was in for. And just for the sake of like the flip of a coin, because he could have been the one at the register and I could have been the one stocking. Um, and I'm just like, you know what? Um, no, just for this kid's sake, I'm not letting this guy continue. And he, he was pitching a fit about the lottery machine. And I just flat out asked him to leave. And he yelled at me. And then on his way out the door, he said, if I ever see you crossing the street. And then he walked off and I was just like, okay, so we're officially on, uh, on threats. That's cool. You know, the owner's daughter is marrying a cop in a couple of months. So that's going to go over real well for you, Mike. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Not so good. Not so good. Irish. What you got, buddy? I think over the years, I mean, there's, there's lots of different customers that uh, have left their impressions on me, but it's usually the ones that are just completely unreasonable. Um, you'll find a lot of them at the returns desk. That's where I found most of them. So, like, I remember this this one lady, she was trying to return a, a duvet cover. You know, and we've all had these ones. That, you know, there's no receipt. It's out of the package. It's filthy. You know, this type of stuff. But it was it, it was her her confidence. She's, she strutted up there and more or less, like, slam dunked it on the counter and was like, you know, give me my money back. And it's like, whoa, 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 couple of things, you know, she'd no receipt. 
on top of that, we don't do returns on, you know, that that's a sanitary thing. Like, you know, we're not taking duvet covers back. That's, you know, it's, it's in the terms and conditions. You know, she was just one of these Karens that lost the plot. And, but I was kind of done. I was like, you know, I hated that job anyway. And I was like, you know what? I don't really care. So she loudly declared that she wasn't going anywhere uh, until she got her money back. So I said, okay. And I just shut down my register, walked over to the next nearest one and yelled next. And the next person came up and she just stood there in shock. She, I don't think she's ever had anyone kind of do that to her before. And I was pretty sure that would have been my last day. But strangely enough, I never heard about it again. I was sure that I was going to be pulled into the office later on that day. But no, never heard of it. I had a guy, he uh, tried to return underwear. You know, and Ooh. that's just a flat uh, no, you know, and no, I, you know, I told him straight up, we don't do that. Ew, no. Yeah, and no, he, no. Said, he, it's, he said it's the you wrong size. You just made everybody sick, Irish. <laughs> yeah. He said it was the wrong size. <laughs> and I was like, look, I mean, it's it's not even store policy. It's the law over here. You cannot, like, you, you if you go into a shop in Ireland, you, you know, it, you, you have the kind of... Uh, expectation that any underwear in there has not been tried on by somebody. And I think that's a reasonable thing. You know? um, <laughs> which I tried to explain to this guy. And he just, you know, he went off like, you know, you, you know what a stupid policy this was. And eventually he threw the underwear like, you know, over my head and behind the counter. You know, and it's like it's so it's the unreasonable people that like, you know, the people that you kind of like you keep you up at night and you just visualize like beating them to a pulp. You know, those ones. Yes, I agree. 100%. Mm-hmm. Proto, your turn. I don't know if I've ever shared this story before. Did I ever share the story about the uh, the customer that insult that got so bad that I was 100% done and I blurted out and my manager couldn't stop laughing? No. All right, this is back when I was working at the vape store. Um, the vape store that is out of business still. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I still enjoy that victory. You should. <laughs> For months during COVID and everything else and all the new legislation that made it harder to get up products. Literally for months, this guy kept coming in and kept going, hey, do you have any of the, uh, the coils or stuff for this device? I can't remember what device it was. And each time we told him no. We're going to try and get it in. I'm going to try and see if there's any stores nearby that will try it that would be willing to part with any if they have any in stock to send it over. Well, you still offer it on the website. That that's great, but here locally, I do not have it. I cannot manage, make it magically appear. <laughs> I think it was uh, five months going of this, and I understand he's upset. It's understandable. I've given options of, dude, we're probably never going to get it back in. This is a year and a half old device. They're focusing on new devices that are going with the new legislation. So maybe you should try and go with one of these. I don't want to. I love this thing. This thing's been the best thing ever. All right, whatever. And it was after five months of that. He comes in and he's done. He's 100% done. He's upset. He's fuming. He doesn't want to go with any other options. I was even willing to try and give him a discount more than probably one that would have got me in trouble just to make him shut up and leave. But he got so upset that he thought I was being disrespectful and just... He said, and I quote, as my manager was standing right there in the room, I am getting tired of your disrespectful little shit. If you're, I should get your mother right here so I can fuck her on the counter to teach you some damn respect. Whoa. 
for those who don't know, both of my parents have been dead for several years. Wow. So me finally done. Didn't think my mouth shot before I could even stop myself. And mind you, I was the assistant manager. Uh, (laughs) I just flat out said, you know, that'd be illegal in most states. And it'd also be a mess considering she's a pile of ashes in a box right now. Ooh. Wow. My manager, his face, he, he wanted to stop himself from busting out laughing. And he was, this guy was fuming red in the face, a mixture of rage and embarrassment of what he said. He couldn't get a sentence out straight and just left. I never saw him after that. <laughs> nice. After which, my manager throughout the rest of the night until he went home could not stop laughing. Well played. Well that, played. No, that was good. Yeah. I don't think uh, anybody could top that one. <clears throat> so, all right, Chad, your turn. Oh, God. Um, you know, everybody has that one customer that wants that one item. I mean, for us, it's the little half pints of skull vodka, probably the rot oh, gut skull. of rot gut of vodka. <laughs> it, it, we sell them two for four dollars of rot gut. I haven't had any for, I don't know, a month now. And this one customer comes in and you know, he gets you. He's in there every morning, 10 30. I don't have him and just starts calling me everything but a white man. And I'm like, look, what am I supposed to do? And for the first time in my career, ever used the words, do you want me to shit it for you right here and now? Because I can't. <laughs> and Bravo. Yeah. I, mm. I like, I cannot believe, hey, I just said that to a customer, first time in 18 years, and he looked at me, and he looked at me like I had a unicorn coming out of my forehead, that I talked to him like this, and I was, and he starts on his rant again, I was like, well, you can either get the flip out, or buy something else, and he proceeded to go next door to the main store, and build a little on me, and my manager comes over. Did you really say it? I'm like, yeah, I said it. You know, that's just one of every day people wanting stuff that you don't have, mm-hmm. you know, and it just, you know, being called idiot, moron, you know, and, you know, we all reached that breaking point where we, we just fire back at them. And I did. I fired back at the guy. No regrets. You know, it just customers are assholes. Pardon my language. They are. And he's just one of the many on a daily basis that we got to deal with. You know, I, I, I don't know what else to say to him. You know, explain that, sorry, shit happens. What do, you, what do you want me to do? You know, people think, you know, they're coming in and they think they're entitled to get something. And just be a complete jerk about it that, you know, they they think that they're God's gift to customers when they come into your store and they expect you to bow down to them. And no, sorry, I'm not bowing down to you. You Put your pants on like I do one leg at a time, you know, just, mm, you know, yeah. You know, I can go on and on about liquor stores. I love liquor. You know, it's uh, it, but you bring up a good point. The the whole deal about the entitlement that more people are bringing to light 
how big of a douchebags the customer base is, you know, yeah. to the point that I mm-hmm. think that we're at a point now where, like you did, Chad, some of us are probably in positions now where we could probably say a little something back to the customer without too much pushback from management because it's just gotten so out of hand. And, you know, as far as my worst customer ever was, it was actually a Kmart and I was working overnight for Black Friday and um, the POS system went down. Oof. And yeah, this was like oh. at 1.30 in the morning, POS system goes down. You can't get a damn soul from the helpless desk on the phone to help you out. And so this dude with his mother, and, th- and this dude's probably mid-40s or whatnot, and his mother was elderly. He had this full shopping cart full of stuff for Christmas or whatnot, and threw himself a baby Brahma bitch fit in front of the service desk, <laughs> literally literally picked his entire shopping cart up, threw it in the air, and flipped it to where everything just came out all over the floor, threatening to beat my ass. And I'm like, all right, come on. And... <laughs> <laughs> and and you know so here it Let's is everybody, yeah everybody's pissed off because nobody can get rang up and I'm like yo dude you're not the only one I mean nobody's getting rung up right now we just got to wait it out yeah and what was really funny is he showed his ass I told him to get the fuck out all that other shit two weeks later he shows back up because his mother made him come apologize. that was that 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 was great and i I remember telling like look man it's all it's all good dude you know everybody was stressed that day so fine just don't do it was this like the pre-internet days of kmart by any chance no this was um uh this was around the time of uh ship my pants oh jesus Okay. Does anybody remember like a couple of years ago, like pre-pandemic, uh, some woman got really mad that all of Target's POS systems across the country went down. And I just remembered the vitriol this woman got. And because she got really entitled, she pointed back to the sign that says Target behind her. Everybody called this woman out because she was throwing a tantrum about a nationwide POS outage at Target. Mm-hmm. I love Target, but that's not they I, I always joke and say target customers are different than Walmart because target customers, you know, you're calm and cool and collected, but they're kind of not outside that parking lot. But this woman got everything she deserved online for being mad about target needs to do better. And the customer service was terrible. I'm like, lady, the POS system was down. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, Nothing you can do about that shit. And I she, remember the that. internet dogpiling that happened on Twitter was just, I, I'm just sitting here going like, 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 all day long. It was glorious. But has anybody else noticed in the last three years, the customers are worse? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. God, yes. Oh, oh, yeah. They're Um, awful. We wouldn't be here right now if that wasn't the case. (laughs) Don't support their terrible. It's Um, like it's more, more and more amplified. Like, I got to a point where I was just so burned out and dead that a guy threatened me with gun violence because I had to go pick up his couch. And I was just like, I don't even care. I don't even care. And that's when my husband said, you need to get out of this industry, period. You're done. You're well, did done. you guys see the shit on Twitter that uh, Philly Essential posted about the retail war zone shirt? If yeah. you did not. Oh, if where you, he got harassed for wearing it? Yeah, in a restaurant. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. What and, about and the a, customers being essential? Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> I was just like, what, what the hell? 
if that's really? not the most I've been coddled my whole life kind of attitude. Just wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was funny because he did wear it the first time he wore it was for Halloween when he was working at his old job. But I mean, to be wearing it out in public and have somebody have the balls to come up to you and be like, that's offensive. Now, I'm 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 not gonna lie. I mean, I felt a little proud of all that. I hate that he had to go through that shit, but yeah. if the shirt that he was wearing, it says something to the effect on the back, like, um, dear customer, we are not employed to be your punching bag. Sincerely, essential employees. Yeah. And so yeah. this person's like, well, what about the essential customers? Fuck off. <laughs> you're not essential. There's no such thing as essential customer. Yeah, customers, no. you're not essential. You don't pay my paycheck. No. And, and, you know, no, I, they pay my paycheck. I, I even uh, I remember bringing that up. Um, oh God, where was it? It was when I was at Barnes and Noble for a little while, and I remember I was working in in the the cafe there, and I don't even remember the exchange, but there was an unhappy customer, and they left, and then later, um, our our manager for the cafe talked to me about it, and she's just like, well, I mean. That's a customer out the door. And I'm like, yeah, but there's another one right behind her that's going to come in and spend money and not treat us like mm -hmm. dirt. That's yeah. the customer yeah. we want. Their money is yeah. better because we don't have to work so hard to get it. <laughs> and she um, did not like my attitude. And I wound up leaving that job later anyway. When I started nice. at the liquor store, fun enough. <laughs> and not to mention, those are the good customers. Those are the ones who are going to come in and buy multiple things and not argue. Yeah. The ones they're that the are ones probably, who... they're going to be like, oh, $25 for this book? I could get it somewhere else for 15 Why can't I just get it for 15 Yeah, and those are the same customers that understand how the policies work, too. Yeah, and yeah. Then they actually you know, consider you a human being, not just a faceless drawn behind a register. You know, I, I, I'll, it, I'll help those people all day long and into the night. Those are the ones you never saw during the pandemic because they understood. It's like, yeah, the world's crazy yes. right now. Let's not make things worse, yes. which brings me up to the thing about customers being the worst in the last three years. Like, I can't even handle it. That's why I left the industry. I can't do it no more. I don't care how good I was at it. I can't do it. Yeah, it was. I think the tipping point before the gun violence threat was when someone said, "Well, you should just be lucky you have a job and that you're an essential oh. employee." Bitch, yeah. I yeah. would have loved to have stayed home for two years. Yeah. I would yep. have loved to have. I would have loved home. that. That would yeah. have been amazing. Because you know, the two weeks I had closed weren't even paid. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, and and see, you know. When I got laid off during the pandemic, you know, the company I worked for used that whole pandemic unemployment assistance as their their crutch to feel better about what they were doing. So, so yeah, I, I I got that. And you know, my wife was working for a grocery store, so she was quote unquote <laughs> essential. She had to work, and yeah, I, anybody that had to work during that, you know, I think has the right to be a little pissed off about that because of the simple fact nothing extra was done for those people that were still working yeah. you know it, it's yeah. and you were you were in jobs where you couldn't just quit and they sure as hell weren't gonna fire you at that point you about get away with murder i oh, think that's no. where a lot of people during the pandemic 
really lost their chance at really yelling at customers because if there was ever a time in history where you could say whatever you wanted to, that was probably it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because we were, we were down to two people at my store, so what else were they going to do? Yeah, right. <laughs> Which oh, I was at Rent-A-Center. It, like, crippled my deliveries, and people had to figure out how to do a lot of things by themselves because I could not send my people to houses or at least into houses. Yeah. Like, we could bring the merchandise, yeah, yeah. but you had to figure out how to get mm-hmm. it in your own house. You had to figure out how to hook up your own thing, mm-hmm. your own washer and dryer, which we would send them YouTube, YouTube tutorials. Love Repair Clinics, my favorite channel in the whole world. I'm so grateful, though, that my family was just like, oh, my God, you're still working. We'll do this and this and this so you can protect your spouse and then you can protect your workers because, yeah, it sucks that you have to work. Yeah. But, so, oh, I was yeah, so done working. So done let, working those first six months. Well, let's do let's do a quick survey here. So let's talk specifically about, you know, kind of like what, what you're talking about, Lady Toaster, um, but where we all were during the pandemic. So I was working in a music store. Um, Lady Toaster, you were at Renaissance Center. Is that right? I most certainly was. And the only reason we managed to stay open the whole time was just because we sold appliances and appliances are essential, which, mm. yes, I can get behind that. But then they're like, OK, well, also computers and video game systems now that the kids are home. I'm like, Bobby's going to have to learn from a book. The Chromebooks I get. <laughs> but little Bobby can sit down without a video game system for at that point in Arizona, they had a extended spring break for like two weeks. Little Bobby's going to be fine. So, but for two weeks, they had our whole showroom shut down, which was actually my best two weeks of sales for that new quarter because everybody that came in was appointment only, one at a time. So I was able to really spend my time explaining everything in detail without the panic. Mm. So that was a glorious two weeks. Everything after that, throw throw it in the trash can. It's all throw it in the trash can, light it on fire. Nice. Uh, Retail Explorer, where were you working during the pandemic? Yeah, see that the, it's interesting. I was at Amazon at the time, driving for them. Uh, oh, uh, I think I think we're about I was about nine months into doing it and had to switch to a new company. Long story short, but yeah, see, in 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 package delivery like that, it became so much easier once the pandemic hit for us to do. It became so much easier for us to do our jobs in a lot of ways because you know it was back when. You know, you're talking about essential products. They switched away from selling a lot of luxury items, stuff like that, and just focused on selling only like toilet paper and essential items like that. And so our loads went from doing like 180 stops a day to maybe 140. And it was, you know, just the basic items. And we didn't have to ring doorbells anymore. We didn't have to talk to people. We didn't have to like... Our, our delivery uh, company said, don't hand it to a customer at all. Don't ever mm-hmm. do it anymore. And I was like, all right, fine. That's fine. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Talk to him anymore? That's great. Wish my arm, why don't you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So no, I'm just curious. Did, did, did your truck ever get held up for like toilet paper or some shit? I never did. I never had any trouble with anything like that. I I was in some sketchy areas too, but I never had any issues. Some of my coworkers did. I remember one one of my coworkers literally had to like we have in the branded, you know, the big blue branded Amazon vans that you see driving everywhere. They've got a steel partition that can be closed. 
And she got surrounded by two cars in a, in a nice neighborhood too. And this was this was I think around Christmas actually. But yeah, I got surrounded by two cars. She had to run in the back of her van, slam that partition, and call the police because they were all over it. Oh, oh man! Yeah. Wow! Like you all, Holy every shit. time you always get this kind of feeling when you're in a weird area, in the back of your mind, like, well, what if what what if something happens, you know? And I got lucky; nothing ever really happened like that. But man. I mean, it, 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 it gets scary, but once, once the pandemic started, it was, it was surreal because our job got a lot easier for about two or three months, really. There was nobody driving on the roads, really. It we didn't have to handle any customers or anything like that. I mean, the only thing we had to deal with was people just walking all over the street, you know, just walking around in the middle of the street randomly because, well, they don't know what life is anymore. <laughs> right. So... But no, yeah, it was it was it was very strange, very strange working at Amazon at that time. Irish, as you know, I work in a th- uh, thrift store, so uh, we were deemed non-essential, so we were temporarily laid off for a while. We did get to reopen, and uh, I worked the the rest of the pandemic uh, uh, through that in there. Did now when you got shut down, did they give you any kind of financial assistance for shutting down? Yes, um, essentially it was a. Uh, unemployment and a, and a little bit more on top of that but it was like 50 percent of uh, my wage got you proto you were working in the vape shop yeah i was working for and i'll say the name avail vapor and literally through the whole pandemic it was it was getting bad to the point where hours were getting cut uh people were secretly being laid off literally to the point of they would get a phone call from a district manager and they'd be like, hey, how's everything been? Everything's been good. Great, great. Um, just so you know, today is your last shift. And wow. it was bad. Wow. And I actually have right here in my hand, like the the paper I mentioned on Twitter a while back, uh, printed out from the email from the from our district manager at the time. Tell them that, you know, they this is back in June, June 25th, 2020. Talk about hey, they ordered like a bunch of disposable masks for us. We don't know when we're gonna when we're gonna get them in. But the thing that um, made it even better, please note, we will not turn away service to any customers. If a customer chooses to not wear a mask, they are allowed to make a purchase. But our teams must be in masks and fully sanitize the store after that guest. Curbside is encouraged if you do not have any customers in the store. The only customers we refuse service to is anyone without an ID or someone who is underage. Wow. Yeah, so if someone wow. came in and they were not wearing a mask, didn't matter. Didn't matter. Mm-hmm. By policy, by that order, we were told, okay, yeah, they're fine. Even though there was a order in the area that if you do not have a mask, you cannot go into the business. And that was roughly just four months into the pandemic. Yeah, four months into the <laughs> pandemic. And it was just, and not only that, when they did a whole lockdown thing here on um, essential businesses. We were deemed non-essential. However, we were told that, yes, we were considered essential, even though every other vape shop and smoke shop in the area had closed down Hmm. for the pandemic. So Mm -hmm. one of the stores, one of the ones they used to work at, actually got hit twice by the police. One time they were told, hey, shut down. You're not supposed to have customers in. You're you're supposed to be shut down. Second time they got hit, uh, they didn't let customers in, but they were doing curbside pickup. They got hit again and told no you are told to close down 
all stores in the area. My store I was working at was also in the same area. It never got hit, but we were literally breaking mandates. We were breaking curfews and everything like that to the point where I was keeping the letter that said that, oh, we were essential in the car. So if I ever got pulled over Mm. or ticketed or anything, I could hold it out and go, here's this. Here's my district manager's phone number. You can call him. I was put under orders of this or get fired. So you can give him the fine. We have those similar letters for Arizona just to be like preemptive in case at that point, Governor Ducey decided to shut it down. Our districts and our and our franchise attorneys already had that. I had one in my car, so I know yep. about that letter. All right, Pete, where were you working? Um, where I'm still working, actually. Um, I kind of lucked out because uh, working at a call center, they basically moved us remotely to work from home. I was really, really lucky because a year before that, I was still scrabbling around at random retail jobs. So it's it's only by again kind of the flip of a coin, um, but the the big thing that hit us when it came to COVID um, was very much what everybody is facing right now is just that the customers are getting significantly worse, and that's even true in call centers. And here's something fun: when you have a company that's on a hiring freeze because of covid and you have increasingly irate customers in an increasing volume with increasing wait times and diminishing staff that's not a fun recipe i wouldn't recommend it so we no. uh we wound up being very slowly overwhelmed where at one point our wait times for even the agents went from like a couple of minutes to about 30 to about an hour to almost three hours, we were only just now barely scrabbling at trying to catch up. And it's it's an uphill battle because the, the thing is, the people calling in, they're still just as bad as before. And our turnover rate is still just as bad as before. We'd hire like 30 people in a class, train them, two would stay. It's, it's just impossible. So everybody is mad all of the time and it's it's up to us to try and calm them down and get whatever it is taken care of without getting our heads completely chewed off and i i'm here because i have to be here and because you know i got to provide for my family and to the company's credit they've made a lot of accommodations for us but i mean we're still getting our butts absolutely kicked And getting people to replace that, I I mean, they're even, when they hire people, they're even saying, look, people are coming in angry. You're going to need to expect that. But even when you set that expectation, it's like, well, why do I want to stay? Yeah. So it's, it's a balancing act. And I, I really don't know how, how things are going to move on from here, but we're, we're still playing catch up. I think everybody is still playing catch up. Um, I would agree with that. Yes. And I, I mean, I, I got really, really lucky in that uh, I could work from home because it, then again, if the company didn't do that, there probably wouldn't be much of a company anymore. Just just because of the sheer need for people to be on the phones taking these calls, because I can tell you right now, the managers and supervisors don't want to do it. 
And I learned recently that a lot of the supervisors remaining that didn't leave don't really know how to do the things that we do on the floor. That's typically so, how it works. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, yep. well, when I started, all, all the supervisors <laughs> in the department had spent their time on the phones. They knew all the systems. Now, not so much. Now they're they're grabbing anybody who has enough experience to to like run schedules and, and, you know, the higher level software. But as far as the actual systems that we need to use day to day, they have no clue. And so we're teaching them and it's just, it's a lot, man. It's a lot. Yep. Um, what we're going to do, we're going to get, get what Chad was doing during the pandemic. And then I think mm -hmm. we're going, we're going to finish this thing out talking about what lady toaster brought up, how everybody's gotten worse. Yeah. They have, and and it almost is like, you know, you you can make comparisons to like 28 days later, you know, like maybe the pandemic really was a rage virus, you know, because there's a lot of that. So, Chad, real quick, tell us about your pandemic yeah. experience. This has been the retail therapy sessions. Make sure to check out the Retail Warzone podcast as well, and if you like what we do, please leave a review and share with your friends. Thanks for listening.